Que pasa? What's up, beautiful people? My name is Kiera, and I am the host of the podcast, The Power of Semen, where procreation is met with wholesome coexistence. We'll dive deep into untangling concepts of masculinity and femininity by thrashing out gender differences, a common sense idea that seems rather radical. Sound like something up your alley? Then this is the podcast for you. But just remember, it ain't for everybody. Yo, this is Chuck Pinkney, and you're listening to The Daniel White Show. Welcome to another episode of The Daniel White Show. Today we have a very amazing and special guest. We have the Nicole Osborne. I'm kind of embarrassed because <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just learned that Nicole's last name was Osborne. I had her in my phone as just Nicole. <laughs> Which is really embarrassing, but you know, it's all good. We worked together photos uh, two different times, or I guess three different times if you count today. Mm-hmm. Um, very honored to know you. You're the first therapist mm-hmm. I've had on this show. I've been wanting to have one for a long time, and I'm so nice. happy it's with a friend. Yay. It's what I've worked with, and you're a friend of many of my other friends, too, mm-hmm. which makes it even better, and um, we're going to get into it. But first, we have an icebreaker question, okay. and another another spotlight, another shout out to you. You had the same card deck I did, because <laughs> I forgot my card deck at home. I was like, yo, I forgot my card deck. Oh, hold on. It's meant to be. I think I, I think I, I got you covered. I got them. Yes. So the we're going to get into this. card deck. Yes. And thank you, Christine, again for uh, gifting me this, but we're going to use Nicole's set and she's going to pick the question, our icebreaker question, and we'll get into it. Alrighty. Here we go. Do you believe you have a soul? If so, where in your body does it live? Ooh. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Okay. I know I have a soul, mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. um, because I feel th- when I feel certain things, I'm in certain situations that kind of um, make me feel good or intrigue mm-hmm. me or make me feel any kind of even maybe like a grief or sadness, I feel it in my soul, mm-hmm. you know? It's hard to describe what that kind of feels like, but mm-hmm. it's a feeling that, I guess it's kind of deep in there. Yeah. Or maybe it's not deep for some people, mm-hmm. but I think mine is somewhere in my torso. Mm-hmm. That's why when I feel in certain moments of sadness and happiness, I yeah. like my 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 torso kind of tingles, mm-hmm. and I feel it there. I don't feel anxiety or anything. Yeah. It's like it's like it's it's like it's like a vib- it vibrates a little bit just mm-hmm. all throughout my torso. Um, that's a good question. Wow, I didn't yeah. think about that, and I've 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 wanted to have more conversations about the soul, so I that that was it. great. But yeah, I definitely think mine is is, is, is in, in the my, torso, in the torso, and yeah. somewhere in the torso area because right. the whole thing kind of vibrates. So dang, I yeah. love that. See, like even when I talk with my clients, I ask them like, "Oh, where do you feel that in your body?" And so when you were saying everything, I was like, "Oh, this is beautiful. I yeah. love it. I'm yeah, like, I love it." But do you think there's a difference between a soul and a spirit? Mm, I think so because I think a spirit. Spirit to me is external, hmm. mm-hmm. it, it, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, when I feel a spirit, or I feel because I'm, I'm definitely spiritual for mm-hmm. sure, I feel it more so. It more so touching me from the outside mm-hmm. and not inside. Soul to mm-hmm. me is inward to outward. Spirit is ah, affecting me. Like you know what that. I'm saying? I like that. Um, also, growing up in the church as well, you mm-hmm. know, people feel the spirit kind of mm-hmm. in the air. You know right. what I'm saying? Something mm-hmm. like that. So I think it's more external. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That's a good distinction. I never thought about that. Because yeah. for me, I was like, oh, 
it's similar because I'm spiritual too. And so I'm like, oh, they're pretty similar. But when you described it that way, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, and, and I'm curious to hear about, mm-hmm. you know, your thoughts on that as well. Let's see. Ooh, I do believe we have a soul. Mine, I feel like it's similar to yours. Maybe mine is like in my belly oh, okay. area. Yeah. Because it's just like a calm, like quiet, just like. I don't know. I think about this past weekend, I was on a boat trip and watching the sunset Mm. and I was just vibing and I was just like, this feels good to my soul. Like, it's just like, just that peace that you just feel. And so, yeah, that's where I feel it. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love conversations about that. Mm -hmm. Usually a lot of heart to heart is there about the... Our, our souls and our being. So that's that's oh, that was good. That was a good little ice I like that question. One. That was a good one. Okay, that was definitely a good Nicole one. Nicole picked a good one. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, we, we can get into the, the juice of this. Uh, Nicole is a therapist. Milk and honey. You own milk and honey with your partner Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me tell you how I met Nicole. Tristan, I believe you had photos done when you first started milk and yeah, honey. Yeah, before we started. So, so I think we took them maybe two years ago around this time because i yep. remember which is crazy to think yep about. I, I can't yeah that was that was in the pandemic mm-hmm. that was in 2020 because mm-hmm. wow. we opened september 2020 so it was definitely in the summer because i remember it was hot and you opened it <laughs> yes it was <laughs> Talk about the sweating i remember yes i remember that day and um did you find me from tristan or was it an out yeah other i had text tristan i was like hey um, I'm looking for a photographer that's a person of color, and then she sent me two people, and then yep. I was like, boom, perfect, yes. Daniel. I was like, love the aesthetics, love yep. the vibes, and so then I hit you up, and here we are now. This is history, yes, in 2022, mm-hmm. still doing photos together, mm-hmm. which is super dope. I thank you for that, by yeah, the way. Of course. Um, so yes, I close a therapist, I was milking honey with a partner, Nick, and I'll try to get Nick on here before, you know, I was mm-hmm. transitioning soon. Um, to a different spot. Um, but yes, you're here and it's gonna mm-hmm. be wonderful. So I want to hear your story mm-hmm. and you've moved around a lot. You've been in a lot of places. <laughs> so let's start from where you were born yes. and then we'll kind of go through your journey from there. Okay. Okay. So I was born in New Jersey, um, lived there till I think I was five. I remember telling my parents, it was really weird. Um, I was like, I want to move, like randomly said it, didn't think much of it. And then I think a couple months later, my parents were like, we're moving. And I was like, oh, shoot, did it's I like, speak that into existence? Like, like, what do you mean we're moving? We're, we're I, was like, wait, I was like, wait, I actually am in a different house, not like a whole different state. <laughs> so um, when my little brothers were born, I think this is the real reason we moved. But my little brothers, they're twins, um, and they were born, and my parents needed help. And so we decided to move to California, um, to San Diego specifically, where my grandparents were at. Wow. Um, so yeah, we moved there when I was five and lived with my grandparents for a little bit. Then we got our own house literally right up the street. And what happened after that? After that, I think I moved when I was in third grade to LA. My dad got a job in LA, stayed in LA, went to school, same school from third grade to 12th grade. Oh my God. Yeah. It was a, a private school. So they did K through 12. Um, stayed there and when I graduated for college or not college when I was applying for colleges I was like I don't want to be in LA I applied to zero California schools <laughs> like, did not I was like I'm trying to get up out of here I'm done yeah so I was over it not in like a bad way but I was just like I'm trying to see the world yeah and so I applied to school in Chicago one of my favorite cities <sighs> it's where my sister lives where my dad is from 
Uh, my grandma lives there, my aunt, my cousin, my uncle. And oh, so I was wow. like, I want to go to Chicago. Got in there. And then um, that's where I met Nick. Um, but he was playing games. And so we okay. didn't get together <laughs> until later on. <laughs> Nick, she's calling you out on this show. I'm sorry. I didn't... That's all. That's all. That's he'll, all. Nicole. He'll admit it. He'll admit that we we both were growing and trying to figure ourselves out. So yeah. Um, went to Loyola Chicago and didn't like it. The school just didn't have the vibes that I was looking for. I, I'm a big sports person. Yep. Didn't really have a big sports program. Um, and the the college life didn't feel very college. It was basically a commuter school. Mm. Um. So then I transferred back home to California, funny enough. Wait, so you went back to California? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, okay, okay. So I applied to USC, never thought I would go there. My three best friends ended up going there. Um, And so applied there, got in, and spent my time there at USC. Had a great time, lived with my three best friends. It was amazing. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's crazy. Usually when your best friends move in together, it's usually right. chaotic. But thankfully, it wasn't. Okay. Like, Everyone very was sure. surprisingly, like, it was pretty chill. Wow. So it seemed to work out. I bet you shot yourself going back to California because it's like, I was a place you avoided. You were just like, right. okay, all Even right. my parents were like, oh, you're back. Like, oh, I didn't know. You didn't want to like, be here. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess. Back. Whatever. <laughs> had a great time. Right. I had a great time my senior year. Um fall semester I actually studied abroad so I went to the Netherlands um, which was amazing I keep hearing good things I Europe if I could live there hey I would not impossible it's not yes yes. maybe that'll be next after our next adventure but um, went to the Netherlands got to travel got to go to Spain Greece Italy Germany Belgium France um, yeah a whole bunch of places that sounds insane. Yeah, wow. It was amazing. I'll take a step back because I want to hear about, mm-hmm. obviously you were super into sports. Did you play in college? Well, I played club basketball. And okay. so I could have played um, Division One or Division Two, but I chose not to because I was like, I'm kind of burnt out from basketball because I played basketball from age 7 to 21. Yeah. And so I was pretty burnt out by the time I got to high school. I was like, I'm not going to play D1 or D2. But then, funny enough, I was like, oh, I miss it. So I ended up playing club basketball, okay. um, which is like a step down from like the NCAA basketball. Okay, so it's still kind of a, still kind of intense, yeah, but not I mean, as... We, yeah, yeah, it's not as much as a time commitment as D1. Um, and we still got to travel, still got to play other teams in the area. So still got that experience um, that I was looking for. So it was great. That's super dope. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And your course of study... What did you study in college? Mm-hmm. I studied psychology. Okay. Mm-hmm. So before that, you went through high school and going through everything. Did you see yourself going that route for a long period of time? Or did you kind of choose that when you decided to go to school? Mm. So I had, when I was younger, funny enough, I wanted to be a teacher and a scientist. Okay. And a scientist, I was like, oh, I thought it was like where you mix quote-unquote potions and chemicals, <laughs> a.k.a. chemistry. <Yes. laughs> Found out that that's not what science was, and I was wrong. Uh, not a math. <laughs> a lot of everything else. Yes. And um, so now that I'm a therapist, I feel like it's a combination between a teacher and a scientist and all that good stuff. But all that to say, 
in high school, actually, um, I had one friend actually, sadly, attempt suicide. Mm-hmm. And so I think, how old was I? I think it was 10th grade or something like wow. that. So I had a really? friend attempt suicide, and so that rocked my world. Um, mm. We grew up together, we went to church together, um, and so that was really crazy to hear about. Um, eventually, or later on, she ended up passing away, and I never got to say goodbye and all that, so oh, that was hard. Man. Um, and then when I was in 11th grade or 12th grade, my friend's brother um, completed suicide, and so... Hearing about those two instances, I was like, wow, like this, this is intense. And every time, even to this day, I hear about suicide, my heart drops. Um, Like it never gets easier. However many times I hear about it or talk about with clients. Um, But that was really my main motivator, like hearing about those instances and hearing about other people struggle with their mental health. Um, I was like, yeah, I want to study psychology. I want to study people. I want to help people in some way. And so even before I, um, graduate high school I thought I wanted to be a teacher and mm-hmm. so I thought I was going to help in that way um, but then I changed my mind and was like no I want to do psychology wow and those mm-hmm. events kind of triggered that mm-hmm. wow I'm, yeah. first of all sorry to hear that yeah. that's never it's never easy yeah. and even hearing it uh, I'm trying to think I've had a couple that happened to and just mm-hmm. hearing it in the news with celebrities and all mm-hmm. that it's, 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 you're right it doesn't get easier it's mm-hmm. always heartbreaking it's always just it's, it's always horrible mm-hmm. um so question, were you, was your family pro-therapy? Did they, as you growing up, were you in therapy at all as a kid? Yeah, so my dad went to therapy, and that, to me, like, looking back on it now, that's really rare. As a black man Bro, to yes. go to therapy, like, that's, like, that's unheard That surprises me of. now. <laughs> right, exactly, unheard of. And so, I know my dad went to therapy. My mom didn't start going to therapy until later on in her life. Um, but I went to therapy... I think once or twice when I was younger. It was after my parents got divorced. They wanted to make sure I was okay. Um, it wasn't okay. the greatest experiences. It was kind of a blur. The first therapist, I don't even really remember what was yeah. going on. I told my dad, I was like, ah, I didn't really like her. And I was in high school, I think, or middle school. And then the second time, um, I'm trying to remember the second time. The second time, wasn't it was okay as well. So it wasn't like amazing experiences and it wasn't long term. Um, so I only really had a couple experiences with therapy. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you know, jump into one college. She had those unfortunate incidents happen, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, this is I'm going to study this. Mm-hmm. So you get to USC, mm-hmm. and you dive on in. So how was the curriculum there? Well, mm-hmm. I was tell some of the highlights of your time mm-hmm. in college, and maybe even some of the the rough parts, because mm-hmm. that's, that's you know studying the human mind is yeah. very complex and difficult. Yeah. So yeah, it's um it's definitely complex. Um, but when I was at USC, I uh, did the honors program for psychology, and so I got to do my own research oh. um, with the professor, and so I ended up studying um, schizophrenia in the Latinx uh, community, oh. and so it was really interesting. I got to listen to um, transcriptions uh, or transcripts um, from people, or transcripts of interviews from people who had schizophrenia. And kind of study it and do my own research project on it so that was really dope and a really cool experience even though research isn't my thing it was good to have that background Mm. um and just to have that knowledge of what's going on um and everything like that so i did that um i was also in the uh the e-board or the executive board for the psychology honor society wow and so i got to help host events um for usc and everything like that and talk to other psychology majors 
and things like that. And so those were probably the two biggest highlights. And then playing basketball, that has nothing to do with psychology. But, but. that was very fun. And I also took a yoga class my senior year. Loved that. So <laughs> it was a good time. That's crazy. So you were so you were in an honors program. Mm-hmm. So at that school, did you have to do the gen ed stuff too? Mm-hmm. Or okay, you do all this stuff and then you got into the, the, the mm-hmm. meat of it. Um, oh, the research. So how intense was the research? It when, was hard. I was yeah, I was wondering there had to be a lot of writing, speeches and, <laughs> and like all that I told stuff. you earlier today, writing yeah. is not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had to write it was basically like a mini dissertation. So like when you write a PhD dissertation, those are usually hundreds of pages. Ours was I think mine ended up being like thirty something pages. It was I, I remember for the first time having a panic attack because I was so overwhelmed by oh, having to write all that. My goodness. Yeah, 30 pages of just, I don't even remember all the stuff. Just research numbers, graphs, whatever. Oh, and it's funny because I'm sure you heard it before, like people being like, psychology being like the generic thing people mm-hmm. study when it's like, no, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a hard course to study. Oh my gosh. And you going into it, did you have any idea of how hard it would be when you initially like decided you wanted to do it? Like, mm-hmm. did you think it'd be like, oh, I'll probably go there, read a couple mm-hmm. books, and just take a couple of tests, and then mm-hmm. be whatever? Well, I think what made it hard was the honors program. Honestly, I think mm-hmm. that was the hardest part because of the time commitment and writing thirty pages. Um, but if I hadn't. <laughs> 30 plus pages. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's funny now, but back then I was crying. Like, it was not funny at all. It was torture. Like, yeah. it was bad. But honestly, I would say my psychology classes weren't that hard. It was more so like my gen ed classes. I specifically remember my English class, oh. again, writing. Bruh. My two English classes. <laughs> Everyone said that English or math it would be like the, these. Math, stats. Oh, my gosh. And you need stats for psychology. Yes. Oh, my god. I think god. I had to take two stats classes. Ugh. Like, one regular stats, and then maybe one, like, research stats. Either way, math is not for me. Bruh, so hard. Mm-hmm. Math is involved in, like, almost every course of study, at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in psychology, you're definitely doing stats. And graphs and studying all that stuff. So I'm sure you were not very happy. No, I was not happy. So yeah, that's what made it hard. Like if I hadn't gone that route, it probably would have been a lot easier, a lot less stressful. But because I did and wanted to challenge myself and get prepared for grad school, I chose that life for myself. Yes. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. So I'm curious, the Latinx community with schizophrenia, mm-hmm. why did you go that route? Mm-hmm. Well, I've always been interested in other cultures um, outside of my own. And so um, I think it was that was a big driving force. And also the professor that I had chosen Mm. to work with. Um, He seemed pretty chill, pretty cool, pretty knowledgeable. So he's a Latinx man. And so he knew a lot about just that background, that community. He would actually take um, students to go to Mexico um, and study um, different populations and different illnesses and stuff. And so I wanted to do that, but I don't think... I think I ran out of time and wasn't able to, mm-hmm. um, but I would have loved to do that, to travel to another country and just hear about other people's stories, um, and how mental health is talked about, and just the stigma, and just everything else, so wow. that was the biggest reason I chose it. That's very interesting, mm-hmm. and were you interested in maybe working in that field at the time of with those kind of clients? I wasn't. I didn't think I would work specifically with schizophrenia, because to be honest, that's 
requires a lot of specialization yeah. that I don't currently have now. Um, and to be very honest, schizophrenia is overdiagnosed, especially um, in people of color. So really, so yeah. explain what that means. People who don't maybe mm-hmm. not answer was overdiagnosed. So basically, society has likes to label certain people groups with certain symptoms or diagnoses because they're not culturally competent, and so oh. some therapists, you know, just throw certain diagnoses at certain communities. So for example, I gave a presentation last week on uh, BIPOC mental health. And so one of the things I talked about was how a lot of times kids in school, especially kids of color, get labeled with ODD, which is basically oppositional defiance disorder. So basically that's a bad kid. That's a bad kid, they have issues, they have anger, X, Y, and Z. And so they give them that label without really understanding what's going on. So that's their trauma at home. That's because they're a a child of color, they also have more trauma than you know a non-child of color. And so, people don't take that into consideration, so they throw on these diagnoses that may or may not be accurate. That's crazy how racism kind of trickles down mm-hmm. into even this. I didn't even think about mm-hmm. that, trickling down to this. That's mm-hmm. terrifying. Yeah. I mean, if you misdiagnose someone or overdiagnose, mm-hmm. that can cause further mm-hmm. worse issues. Exactly, exactly. And so if you're labeled that way, you're gonna think of yourself a certain way, mm-hmm. you may not be treated you know you may be treated in a certain way and like even I had a client who um, I had to tell her I was like I don't she was originally diagnosed with bipolar and I was like I don't see symptoms of bipolar really like after working with her for a couple months I was like I don't think I thought I was like I think you're misdiagnosed and I wow. talked with my supervisor about this case and this client and my supervisor was like yeah you're probably right no way. And so the client was shocked. She was like, really? And I was like, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think yeah. you're going to reevaluate some yeah. things. And so my take on diagnosis is everything is stemmed from trauma. So any trauma that happens in your life or trauma that happens from the systems or oppression or whatever it may be dysregulates your body and your entire system. And so that's what causes mood fluctuations or disorders or whatever it may be. Like my supervisor says, you can call it pink elephant and... <laughs> It doesn't really matter. Right. <laughs> like as long as you get to the symptoms and get to the root, rather than you know doing the surface level work. Oh my gosh, I I'm, and I'm sure getting to the nitty gritty of it and finding the symptoms and studying a client for a long period of time mm-hmm. is just it's just so complex because mm-hmm. certain symptoms could be mm-hmm. a bajillion different things. So mm-hmm. in your course of study, like how were like how was it set up to where like they taught you how to now. Uh, how to analyze these things like mm-hmm. were there multiple different sectors in psychology mm-hmm. that you had to study to to get to these mm-hmm. i guess assumptions like how, how was it how was it set up <sighs> to in school? be honest in undergrad they didn't really teach us like how to analyze people oh, and wow. to be honest even in grad school they don't really like sit you down and teach you like this is how you analyze somebody okay. so i feel yeah. like I don't even know how I learned it, but like obviously wow. I know I learned it from somewhere. Yeah, you learned it, obviously, um, yeah. <laughs> or else I wouldn't be doing my job. <laughs> but um, I mean, they—I guess in grad school, we had to write um, papers on like you know taking into account like the client's background and their symptoms and this, this, and that, and like p- putting together. There's basically kind of like a story of who they are and why their symptoms might be showing up. So maybe from that part, that's an analysis. Yeah, yeah. But in undergrad, they didn't really teach us like how to analyze people per se. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you end up working with, are there any internships or anything while you're undergrad to help you? Did I have internships? 
internships. Or clients that you work with or something like that? I did volunteer work, so I tutored um, in the inner city, and then I also taught, helped teach yoga in the inner city as well. Okay. Um, and then one of the classes I took, which was really interesting, which I think piqued my interest in social work and therapy, was um, it was called Adolescence and Gangs or something like that. Oh wow! It was fascinating. Like oh wow! Yeah. And that's a whole different conversation right yeah, there. That, yeah, yeah. That like that was by far my favorite class. Like, and we went on a field trip to. I think it was some kind of like, gang rehabilitation center kind of thing where you can um, get your old tattoos removed, like any gang affiliated tattoos removed. Like if you're trying to get a job, they'll help you get a job. So no that way. was that was really dope. So I remember that from undergrad. It was a very eye-opening experience. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So I'm wondering, because as far as you graduated from there, how was like your, your final, your final, I guess, year or so, like mm -hmm. your dissertation, the paper mm -hmm. you had to write was kind of the last thing you had to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's no like a teacher watching you interact with like a client or a fake mm -hmm. scenario. Not, okay. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. No. Now we, so after we had done our research we presented our research at a conference at the school and then that then we submitted our paper and that was really about it um but yeah in undergrad funny enough like they don't teach you the the ins and outs of clients and everything okay. like that it was more so in grad school that's where they teach you like actually how to sit down with the client like you have supervisors review your tapes and watch you and all that stuff so that's where like the nitty-gritty comes in Ooh, okay let's jump to that mm -hmm. then so and you knew you wanted to go to grad school pretty mm -hmm. much as soon as you got an undergrad right well i knew i wanted to because i i think i really was more so motivated because my parents had both gone to grad school so i was like oh i'll go to grad school too like that would be you know yeah everybody else is doing it might as well yeah um and so i actually took two years off i was going to be a teacher um and do teach for americas where you teach in the inner city and all that um, mm -hmm. but i decided not to because i was like i don't think i want to do teaching um and so funny enough i did end up doing some teaching uh, but wasn't for teach for america and then i applied to grad school so i guess more of the travel stories i had after I graduated from USC, I moved to Indiana because Nick was like, oh, I want to go to grad school for social work. And so I was like, all right, well, we've been doing long distance for three years. Like, I want to okay, be closer yeah. to you. Um, so I moved to Indiana. Would not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is crazy. And that's no, that's no shade. It's just it's, well, it's not, not a city for me. I love being closer to my husband or than boyfriend but but it's it, not it wasn't it wasn't it you had an experience <laughs> and it's not we've been i've been saying this to nicole for the experience. past like all, all like all morning so hey i'm here for the experience but sometimes you get experience like that wasn't a good experience <laughs> yeah so india i've definitely i've learned a lot about myself to be very honest in indiana like that was the first time I feel like I had like a mini identity crisis because like I was away from basically everybody and everything that I knew um, and so trying to figure out who I am and all that stuff and so it was it was a growing experience even though I didn't like the city um, I was happy that I got to learn more about myself and who I am good and you know it's all about growth right sometimes you put in those uncomfortable places you want to be and it and it, and it changes you for the, exactly. for the better exactly so so and where was the next spot where would you, where'd you go to grad school mm -hmm. so i stayed in indiana for that 
nine months or 10 months. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go to North Carolina because they have one of the top programs at UNCG. But I was like, I'm not trying to pay full tuition. I already spent a whole bunch of money at USC. So it's like, I don't want to pay out of state. So let me move there a year in advance so I can become a, what is it, a citizen resident. Resident. (laughs) A a citizen of North Carolina. (laughs) Citizen resident, whatever. I got what you I I got you. You know what I meant. <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm going to finesse and go there a year in advance so I could become a resident and pay in-state tuition. So I went to UNCG and... Spent, the Spartans. Yep. Spent two years there, and that was very challenging. Oh, I'm sure hard, it was. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Let's dive into it. <laughs> I love hearing about the hard parts. Yo. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. So let's talk about it from, from the jump. So did you know what, I guess, the different parts of therapy and psychology, mm-hmm. did you know where you wanted to mm-hmm. to venture off to? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought I was going to do school counseling. So I thought I wanted to be in the school setting, just didn't want to be a teacher. Mm. And so I was like, I want to be a school counselor. Um, I love schools. I love education. I love kids. Um, but once we did... Um, what is it, practicum, which is basically like practice working with clients. Um, so we ha- there's a clinic on UNCG's campus that students or other Greensboro community members can go to to get therapy from us, so the people who are in training or the students who are in training. Mm, okay. And so once I did that, the spring of my first year in grad school, I was like, oh, I love this. Like, I just want to do one-on-one therapy. I don't really want to be in the schools like that. So I had decided... I wanted to be do more like regular mental health rather than school mental health, but I was still on the school counseling track. So all that to say, I basically graduated with two degrees. Like if I wanted to be a school counselor, I could. I would just need to go take the test. Okay. Um, so I have that, and then I also have my clinical master's as well. Let's go. Wow. Yeah. So in your opinion, and obviously everyone has their own experiences, mm-hmm. what made it particularly difficult? Obviously grad school is difficult, period, for everybody, yeah. but like – for in your experience, mm-hmm. what what was the hardest parts? Mm. <laughs> How much time we got? <laughs> yes, I'll sum it up. Yeah. Um, one of the hardest parts was I don't know why they do this in grad school. There was like a thousand group projects. Oh. I'm like, we are all grown adults. <laughs> I hate group projects. Everyone hates group projects. <laughs> and I'm like, we, we're all grown adults with lives and families and jobs. But why are there so many group projects? I oh promise you there was probably like 30. Like, it was so many. In your two years? Yes. Oh, my it God. Was a lot. Yeah. And I didn't really have issues working with people. It was more so like the time that it takes and like, just everything that goes into it, it, it was a lot. Jesus. And these group projects, were you given, like, cases? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there's diff- it was a variety of different projects. Yep. So it was presentations. It was cases. It was a whole bunch of different stuff. Gosh. Did you have to, like, present in front of classes mm-hmm. and all that stuff? Oh, my gosh. So were you, like, having, like, maybe therapy and mm-hmm. people just kind of watching you and taking notes? And, mm-hmm. oh, my yeah, gosh. It was, it was yeah. So there, that was that. The other part is... Um, and this part gave me the most anxiety but basically we would have supervision so basically small groups of like five people um, five other students and then the supervisor and you'd have to therapize each other in front of other people that when I tell you was 
traumatizing. It was very traumatizing for oh. me. Like, I'm a pretty low-key person, keep to myself, so for me to talk about my issues in front of other people, and then also for me to be the therapist for somebody else. In front of people. And these are, like, real things you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't, in- like, made-up stuff. It was real stuff. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's so... I'm surprised that they do that with it being, like, a <laughs> private... Usually a private thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the culture of therapy is usually private. Right. So they put you on blast. Yes, and my when I had to be the therapist, so you would switch roles. So when I was the therapist, I remember wearing my Apple Watch, and my Apple Watch was going off. It was like, "Are you good?" Like, because my heart rate was just through the roof. Like my my Apple Watch was like, uh, "Are you like having a heart attack?" Like, call the police. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Bruh. Wow. That was hard. Okay, was that like one like the final thing you kind of did, or was that like? I'm trying to think what else. Um, that was those two things were probably the hardest, and just honestly, like, I don't know if my other classmates experienced this, but just having to do your own personal work. Like when I was in that program, like I feel like I had another mini identity crisis. Like I was just like just going through it, like trying to figure out again, figure out myself. And who I was and the old narratives that I had and just the traumas that I've been through like it forces you to open up mm. about your own stuff and so to sit with that stuff again like in my family even though my dad went to therapy and my family believed in therapy my family is very not that emotional not that vulnerable and so right. for me to be vulnerable with other people and other strangers that rocked my world I mean that was intense yeah oh my gosh Nicole mm. you got through it though I did. You got through it. Yes, you got through it. You graduated. <laughs> yes. Two degrees, yeah. which is insane to oh, me. Oh, and then also the pandemic. So, oh, I, so what year? So what year? Did you, what year did you graduate? Twenty twenty. You graduated in twenty twenty. The year I met you. Oh yeah. my god. So that was the other hard. How did I forget this? I had two jobs in grad school, which is like unheard of. Which you people don't. They probably they, you tell you not to do that. Yeah. But then it's like, how do we have money? I gotta gotta pay for this. What do you mean I can't work? So I had two jobs. I had a grad assistantship. I I worked at Lulu. And then I also had an internship. And then class. Yeah. So you were busy. Done. You were just every day. Exhausted. Yeah. Like, there was mornings. Because when I was doing my school counseling internship... And you know this. I'm not a morning person. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> school start in the morning. And I would have to get up at like 6, whatever. And there were some days where I was like, I can't. Because my day would be like 12 hours long. Easy. Because I would get up at 6 and then do class, internship, two jobs, come home. It's like 7 o'clock. You got school work to do, all this and that, your group projects. I don't know how you found time for group projects. I I bet he was like, okay, I will fit it in wherever. <laughs> right. I gotta do it. So yeah. I'm telling you, perseverance Gosh, is a mighty like, thing. And even when the pandemic happened, and I say this in a very sensitive way, but if the pandemic didn't happen, or at least not the actual pandemic and people, you know, dying from COVID and everything, yeah. but this world shutting down, if that didn't happen, I don't think I would have graduated grad school because I was at the point of burnout that it was <sighs> unreal. I can only imagine. Oh yeah. my gosh! So it was in in, in your experience. It was kind of a blessing. You was like, okay. Yes. Looking, I can calm down. 
Yeah, I was like, I don't have to drive and go to internship. I can just do my class online, Virtual. sit at home. Like, you I was like, like oh, I needed this. It's like, okay, I'm sorry this is happening, but for yeah. me right now, this is everything. Yeah, I needed it bad. Wow, what a year that was, too. We're still kind of dealing with it. You know, yeah. it's after effects, I feel like, at this point. But that was, I can only imagine. And then you start your business, too. So, mm-hmm. you end up graduating. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. <laughs> Because that all sounds insane to me. Yes. Um, and then it's starting to start your life, start your mm-hmm. career. So what were your thoughts after graduating? Like, what, what did you have planned? Did, did, did it go as planned with Milky Honey? Was mm-hmm. that like the idea you had in grad school? Yeah. No. So yeah, tell us about no. what was going through your head when you graduated and mm-hmm. how you ended up with where you're at now. Mm-hmm. So when I graduated, by that time I was like, yeah, I don't want to do school counseling. I want to work in somebody else's private practice or agency. And so when I graduated, um, oddly enough, a lot of places weren't hiring. Mm. Um, and so this was at the start of pandemic. So people were trying to figure out their own lives, had therapists trying to switch to virtual. So I don't think people really had the capacity to figure out hiring another person. Yep. And so I had a difficult time. I don't know if my classmates did. I'm pretty sure some of them did. Um, but I was applying for jobs, didn't hear back from a lot of places, heard back from one place, um, wasn't really feeling it, um, but they didn't end up offering it to me anyways, which I was okay with. And so one night Nick was like, Hey babe, like, why don't you start your own practice? I was like, what? <laughs> that sounds like something like, Nick yeah, say. <laughs> Nick is wild. Like his, he is down for whatever, just biggest person I know with faith. Like he's just all about it. He's like. Why don't you just do it yourself? I started Googling stuff and started looking at all the steps it takes, all that. I was like, no. I remember laying in bed. I think he was in our other bedroom, and I took a screenshot, and I was like, these are all the steps that it would take. And I think he just laughed or something or just, like, didn't take it seriously. (laughs) So he was like, all right, and, like, didn't didn't really care. And so then a couple weeks later, um i was just what was i doing i was doing research and i was on facebook and um then i came back to him after doing research and kind of like psyching myself up i was like okay if i can be a therapist in somebody else's practice why can't i do it in my own so i came back to him i was like well you're a therapist too like why Mm -hmm. don't we just do it together and he was like oh yeah like that makes sense yeah so so is he already working mm-hmm. so he was working he's technically like two years ahead of me um oh. and so he's already he'd already been working at his agency for two years um while i was in grad school so he was yeah just in his agency doing his thing so then when um i said we could do it together he ended up quitting the agency told his boss and everything like that and that that's really what so originally the plan was for me to work for somebody else for two years and then do private practice um just to get more experience but then i was like nah might as well just do it just do it now shout out to nick shout out to you but shout out to nick for being so down nick is down for whatever so yeah we do this together all right put no put no this right now (laughs) i told him right now i'm done just me and you i was like okay yeah. So if you don't mind, I'm curious about the steps. You don't got to mm-hmm. say every, you don't mm-hmm. got to name them all, but like overall, what did you have to do? Because mm-hmm. you had to get licensed, mm-hmm. this and that. So how rigorous was it? Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, it's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, but thankfully, the internet has all the answers, basically. So I um, was on Facebook. There's tons of different Facebook groups, which I didn't know about. There's like 
thousands of groups and so there's a whole bunch of different therapist facebook groups and so i was kind of like snooping through those and like piecing things together because to be very honest i wasn't trying to spend money to <laughs> hire somebody else to figure <laughs> to it out do it for all for me. you yeah and i ba- we had basically taken my graduation money and uh put it into the business to get it started and so i was like we have limited funds so can't afford to pay somebody to tell me what to do I'm pretty resourceful, and so I was like, you know what? Let me just go on YouTube and That's it. Facebook and Google, um, and that was really it. And so wow. they based a lot of people post stuff for free, and so I was just like following the steps. And so, obviously, get licensed, get your business license as well, create a LLC, website. All that L- stuff. Yep, mm-hmm. take headshots. Um, what else goes into it? Get an office, a whole yep. bunch of stuff like that. Then you had the brand stuff, mm-hmm. name of your business, all the stuff that you've done excellent mm-hmm. with. Thank you. That's crazy. Yeah, Thank I thought we were trying to business is fun, but there's some there's some it's steps. Worked. The yeah. beginning the is the first six months Ooh. were the hardest. Ooh. Finding your client base, mm-hmm. marketing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much that goes into yeah. it. Luckily you knew what you wanted to do, right. but it's really execution, which mm-hmm. obviously you end up doing. So tell us about why, so why milk and honey? Like mm-hmm. why why was it named that? And then what you guys do specifically? What kind of work and mm-hmm. clientele you guys work with? Mm-hmm. So milk and honey um, basically represents the land of just freedom and mm. healing and liberation. And so like that. um, that's basically what it represents. There's a whole story about it in the Bible. Um, but even if somebody doesn't believe in the Bible or has different spiritual beliefs, it a lot of people just talk about oh the land of milk and honey, like just like freedom and just. Mm-hmm you know having what you need and all that stuff and so that's what that represents and so that's what we hope to give to our clients is that freedom and liberation um from whatever they're going through and so that's the whole meaning behind the name um yeah we thought of it um we love me and nick love to go on walks that's where most of our creative thinking is done and so during the pandemic, we walked miles on miles. Like, we were just walking, like, almost every day. Because there was nothing else to do. <laughs> do. There was nothing we to do. We explored every park we could. Um, and so, one day, we were trying to figure out the name for the business. We are like, all right, what are we going to name it? And Nick had come up with one name. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> that sounds very robotic. Like, I wanted something more creative, more flowy. Something that you kind of had to, like, look into the meaning of it. Um, something with some depth and stuff like that and so we were walking um, up near our house and there's this golf course with the sun and the greenery and it looked really pretty and I was like did he say it he was like oh this looks like the land of milk and honey and I was like that's it that's I was like that is it that's I was like that's perfect yeah. um and so then we went with that and so we work with uh children teens and young adults so we help them with anxiety depression low self-esteem, trauma. Um, Nick and I are both former athletes, so we work with athletes as well. I love that, yeah. Um, ADHD, identity concerns, so people trying to figure out who they are and how they show up in the world. Um, So yeah, that's basically everything that we do. We do virtual therapy. We do in the office. We do walk and talks with therapy in the park, which is pretty dope. I love that. Um, Nick does play therapy um, outside with kids as well. So he takes them to the park and plays with them and does therapeutic things like that. So That's wonderful. Yeah. And he mostly does more younger kids mm-hmm. where you probably more preteen, mm-hmm. teen. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what a... We mentioned this when we were shooting in the park earlier, mm-hmm. you know, just different situations that are kind of hard, but... It's probably so difficult because some kids are very open, depending on how the mm-hmm. depending on who they are. But breaking into a kid's mind is mm-hmm. just like so 
insane to me. Mm-hmm. So, say you're taking on a new client, mm-hmm. how would you start off <clears throat> with, I guess, how you start the process? What's it mm-hmm. look like to far as you getting in and seeing what's going on mm-hmm. and, and all that? If you had a new child walking mm-hmm. to the door right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the biggest thing is building trust and rapport. And so that's basically our foundation for everything. So we need to help the client learn how to trust us. And so I can't trust you or the client can't trust the therapist if they don't know who they are or what they're about. And so Nick and I are very open with our clients, very vulnerable. Um, We don't like to come off like, you know, robotic or what they show on TV, which is like, okay, I'm just going to sit here with my legs crossed with my pen in my lap and start scribbling down stuff, which I'm not saying that that style is wrong. That's just not ours. Ours is more personable, more authentic. I share stuff about myself with my clients, so does Nick, um, so that they know like I'm talking to another human being. And so we try to come at it from that angle. Um, funny enough, when we're getting started, at least for me, I know I do this, I actually use the Holsti cards. So yes. especially with the teens, um, after I do the intake with them and the parent, which is basically me asking follow-up questions about what's going on for them, um, the second session, I usually play games with the clients. So I'll play... Uh, the Holsty card game. Um, Nick plays like Uno and Battleship and like some other games with his clients. Yeah. So we try to start on the real basic foundational level, um, getting to know them more genuinely rather than focusing, you know, specifically on their issues at first. Wow. That's crazy. There's definitely a, a process to mm-hmm. this. Because, I mean, building trust takes a long time, yeah. especially with a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, with an adult, of course, but kids are just so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, it's, especially if the kid has grown up in an environment where they feel like they can't trust people or not even their parents, and mm. so to be able to build that trust with them is just so important. Yeah, and have you ever had it to where like there's someone you couldn't quite break into? Like, um, I've had clients where it, it takes a little bit longer. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about one client, um, teenager who. I noticed that they were kind of coming off a little bit guarded, which I was like, okay, I wonder what's going on, and basically found out that they didn't really understand the concept of therapy, and so they were nervous that they were like, well, if I say certain things, are they going to send me away to, you know, quote unquote, the crazy house or whatever, and I don't like using the word crazy, but that's just the label that people use a lot of times. Um, and so we had a conversation about that. I was like, no, that's actually not what happens in therapy. And so I had to break it down to her and tell her, like, this is what my job is. This is what I help you with. And so after that, then she was a lot more comfortable. And so being able to just tell somebody, like, this is what therapy is and isn't can build that trust as well. Exactly. Everyone has their own ideas of from the media mm-hmm. or whatever, what therapy looks like. And mm-hmm. in my instance, it's it's nothing like you see on TV. Mm-hmm. Or like you mentioned before, people scribble on a pad mm-hmm. or whatever. It's it's new. It's not. Like, maybe my friends told me it's not like that at all. Right. It's a lot more. I don't know. It's a lot more personable. It's mm-hmm. a lot more peaceful mm-hmm. and a lot more whatever, which is which is great. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, me growing up watching those shows, I'm just like that looks intense. Yeah. They're yeah. not really, I feel like they're not really listening to me or they're just kind of like, just, you know, just telling me all the things that are wrong mm-hmm. and not, you know, not coming down to ground level with me and, mm-hmm. you know, explaining things. So <laughs> yeah. that's wonderful that you kind of have that take on it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, and even, <coughs> excuse me, I, um, one of my clients, actually two of my clients, I sit on the floor with them. <coughs> and so we literally sit on yoga mats and we just have a conversation. That's what it looks like. 
He's a water if he needs it. Yeah. <laughs> Beer. Yeah, do you think? <laughs> Commercial break. <laughs> so, what were we going to talk about? We were going to say... Um, this is Anywhere But Here. My name's Maria. My name is Tom. And we are two reluctant residents of Greensboro, North Carolina, who yeah. want to talk about it. And want to talk about it with other reluctant residents of Greensboro <laughs> and kind of explore our accidental love for the city. Yeah, it'll be great. I'm excited. I'm very excited. We're going to have guests and then you and I are going to talk for hours. Many, many hours. <laughs> so many hours. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. This is Zach Benedict. You're listening to The Daniel White Show. Anyways, yeah, what that. I was saying was... We're back. Um, yeah, I sit on the floor with some of my clients, and I remember asking one of my clients, I, was, I forgot how it came up. I think I mentioned something about sitting on the floor, and she was like, yeah, I would love that. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, so let's do let it. Let me roll out my yoga mats, get the pillows, and let's just sit on the ground. So, Yo, you got that. That's those small things like can really help people trust you. Yeah, yeah, you got. I mean, as a therapist, you know how you got adapt to pretty much mm-hmm. everything. So there's really not anything new to you, right? Exactly. So, and what's to me is when therapists or friends are in this field, mm-hmm. you hear all these stories. Is it hard not to get too involved? Mm-hmm. Like that's why I'm wondering because I was the kids. And you hear mm-hmm. obviously you you know you call whoever for something bad's happening, mm-hmm. but like. I'm sure you have to kind of keep some kind of boundary mm-hmm. to where you can't really get too involved with these children because mm-hmm. I'm sure you're just, you know, with parents, you can cross boundaries right. and be an issue. How do you kind of like keep your composure mm-hmm. here in some of these, these situations? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's hard. Like when I first started out, I was like, oh, I want to save everyone and do yeah. everything. That's not, not possible, unfortunately. Right. Um, like I said earlier, there's lots of system issues at play um, that are impacting my client's well-being. And so for me, knowing that I can only do what I can do mm. um, in that 50 minutes, whether that's once a week or twice a week or once a month or bi-weekly, and knowing that that's enough, like for people just to have the space to be heard, a lot of times people don't want to hear advice. Like, or I don't personally give advice, but in the outside world, a lot of people aren't looking for advice. They just want to be listened to. And so for me to just provide that space, like I had to realize like that's enough. Like there are some sessions where I like, like I feel like I didn't even do anything, but they leave feeling so relieved and just feeling better. Mm. Um, but all that to say with the boundaries piece, it was hard for me at first, but now I have to do a better job of taking care of myself. Mm. Even when I go about scheduling my clients, like I have to make sure I have a break in between sessions so I can gather myself, eat, do what I need to do, go walk outside, you know, shake off that energy, tension, trauma, whatever and reset myself um that's one way i set a boundary um even with clients that they ask me like oh you know can i see you on friday i don't work on friday so i'm like nope sorry i can't. Yeah, really can't and so i have to model boundaries so that they can also have boundaries in their life as well so if i'm saying like oh yeah yeah like come in on friday yeah then they're gonna be like oh well my therapist doesn't have boundaries so i'm not gonna have boundaries not mm-hmm. saying that like i'm their role model 
but right. the small things that I do um, and how I show up and impacts how they may show up in the world too. Wow. Yeah, I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. It's funny because that's what it is. It's like it's cool to have someone because you mentioned this earlier. You not really you feel like you didn't do anything, mm-hmm. but having someone that's unbiased mm-hmm. you can talk to about things. You know, you don't give advice, but right. you. You listen, mm-hmm. you know, and you you engage. That's that's enough for some people, mm-hmm. you know. Because I, I honestly, as therapists, aren't you not supposed to give any like direct advice? Yeah. So we're trained. Everyone's style is different, but we're trained to not tell people what to do. Okay. And so my philosophy is, I'm going to help guide you to the answer that feels right for you. And so, like, I've had clients ask me straight up, like, "Oh, what do you think I should do?" And I'm like. What? I'm going to throw that question back on you. What do you feel like would be right for you? Exactly. And so they get to their own answers. Obviously, I'll help and give suggestions and recommendations, but I'm not going to say you need to do this or you should do this. Like, I'm not, I'm, that's not my place in the world to be like, hey, you need to be doing X, Y, and Z thing. It's like, no, I want to empower you to make your own choices. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm, uh, I'm sure your clients love you for that mm-hmm. you know definitely the parents mm-hmm. you know because it's probably a big release to the parents of having yeah. someone you know help them with their children mm-hmm. um so i want to get to your brand because mm-hmm. you have a card deck the stickers mm-hmm. and all that so what caused you guys to to create these products mm-hmm. and we'll also get to your transition and then we'll be good mm-hmm. um so we are big on trying to make therapy accessible and so even when we started our business um we were able to obtain a grant um, that allowed us to provide sliding scale to a lot of clients. I, I don't even know the number, but basically hundreds of sessions at a reduced cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're big on accessibility because, again, the systems that are at play make therapy difficult sometimes. Um, and so we wanted to bring products to people's homes, schools, and workplaces that it's easily accessible, that they can get some kind of relief um, from their anxiety, depression, or trauma symptoms. And so with the stickers that we make, we have a little feelings wheel um, mm-hmm. sticker, which basically helps you to identify your emotions. A lot of times we're going through life or walking through the day, not even aware of how we feel. So just to take some time Ooh, to look at the wow, sticker and yeah. be like, all right, let me check in with myself. So like right now here on my water bottle, I see my sticker and I'm like, how am I feeling today? Something as simple as that can help you regulate your emotions. You're right. Because if you're able to identify what you're feeling, then you can cope with it specifically. So you might cope different when you're feeling sad versus when you're feeling angry. And so even those small differences can go a long way. Um, with the grounding sticker, um, that's basically a grounding technique which helps you to come back to the present moment. So with anxiety, it's like, all right, I'm thinking about the future, but with depression, I'm stuck in the past. And so to be in the present moment, grounding helps with that. So the five, four, three, two, one, that helps you connect to your senses and come back to the here and now and to calm your body and let your body know that you're safe. And then with the other stickers, more so for fun, uh, the boundary sticker. So it's like somebody texts you, it's like, hey, what's up? It's like new boundaries, who this? So it's like new I phone, who this? So. I love those shirts too. <laughs> so yeah, we just basically wanted to make therapy also seem more fun, more relatable, um, help break the stigma while also making therapy um, and mental health more accessible for people. I love that. And mental health right now, especially with everything that's mm-hmm. going on, having all this is just... It's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Even me going through the cards, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, this the is cards, crazy. The cards were, and I, again, I told you earlier, writing's not my my love, or at least not right now. It, it could be in the future, yes. so I don't want to close it off. Yes. Um, but yeah, creating that the therapy card deck um, was definitely a journey, even for myself personally, like where I was at when 
I first or Nick and I were first starting the cards I was going through my own mental health issues and so it was really hard to work through that and also work on the card deck at the same time so that was part of the reason why it took 13 months um, to create from start to finish and so mm -hmm. um, being able to create a resource for people to just look through and be like all right what am I going through? What do I need? Okay, is my sleep good? Okay, if it's not good, well, let me follow this sleep hygiene or follow these practices to make my sleep better. Or what have I been eating? Like, have I been yeah. eating at all? Like, yes. um, what's my nutrition looking like? Um, and then also, am I creating any routines for myself? So do I have a morning routine? Do I have a nighttime routine? Those small things can help regulate your body. So you want to have your body feel more consistent. And so to have a card deck which is a toolbox of, I don't want to say everything that you need, but to, a place for you to get started and a place to check in with yourself. Yeah. Um, and so another reason for the card deck is there's a lot of people who have wait lists, so a lot of therapists are full to the brim. Ooh, like yeah. They, even for myself, I was full for a couple of months. And so if you're not able to see a therapist right away, it's like, okay, let me buy this card deck real quick and start to work on some of these skills. Um, and to, up until I can actually see a therapist, or even if I can't afford a therapist right now, let me, you know, grab this little $40 deck of cards so that I can, yeah. you know, do self-help for myself. Um, also, I noticed even with my clients, I was like, I feel like I'm repeating some of the same stuff. I was like, I feel like we've talked about this before. Yeah, like, yeah. And so I'm like, what if I just created a little something to package together so that they wouldn't forget their therapy skills and have these small reminders that they can do at home. So that, yeah. that's basically the whole premise for the deck. Yo, that is, it's, it's, it's a beautiful deck. It's like, y'all did so good. And Thank the fact you. that you guys wrote all that is mm -hmm. just, the amount of research I probably had to do yeah. and all that before it all makes sense and be mm -hmm. cohesive. I'm sure that was a, a feat. And y'all yeah. did it. Yeah, we did it. And it's crazy to think about the fact we made two, not just one, but two. Two, one um, for athletes. Yeah, yeah, the one for athletes. It's similar to the regular one, but we wanted to tweak it a little bit and have some more athlete-specific and focused questions because um, athlete mental health is being talked about more now, thankfully, um, because of different athletes. Um, especially during the pandemic, who spoke up about their mental health issues and dropped out of competitions and yep. were taking a stand for their mental health and setting that boundary. And so we wanted athletes to know, like, we have a toolbox for you to use, um, even if you, and I hate to say it this way, even if you have to use it in secret, um, because some coaches aren't for mental health. They don't really care about your yep. mental health. Um, they're like, you need to be strong, like stop being weak, you know, man up, you know, stuff like that. And so mm. for an athlete to be able to have a toolbox that they can use on their own or even with teammates, even maybe connecting with teammates who are open to talking about mental health, that can go a long way too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. That's so great. And you know, yeah. it's just, it's me knowing a lot of athletes and, mm. you know, know some of the ins and outs of the, in that industry because it is a business. Mm -hmm. Um there's much needed. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of that. pressure being an athlete. Oh my right? gosh! I mean, a name that comes to mind is Simone Biles. Mm -hmm. She dropped out. Was it Olympics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of her mental health. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, the pressures and all that yeah. is just—it's it's a lot. It's like, probably so intense. That is like pressure from yourself, pressure from coaches, mm. from fans. If you have teammates, pressure from teammates, your parents or whoever. Like, yeah. That's a lot of pressure. 110 mm percent. -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So the card has the all for sale as well on the website, of mm -hmm. course. And I got took some photos of that, and I'm very honored to have done that. <laughs> it for looks you guys. so good. Shout yes. out to Daniel. Shout out to myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to myself. Celebrate yourself. You yes. Yes. Like 
when you sent them, I remember opening it up and being like, oh my gosh. Like, Nick will tell you that too. Like, he looked at them and I'm pretty sure he was asleep when I opened them. <laughs> of course. Of course you were asleep, Nick. <laughs> but I was like, dang. Like, these yeah. are so good. Man. Yeah, the product was good. Oh. When the product is good, my job's easy. <laughs> so no, shout but out. I mean, you captured it just like the vibe we were looking for. So thank perfect, you so perfect. much. Of thank course, you, of course. Now to the to the exciting news. Are you able to, have you shared this with people? Mm-hmm. With this You're good with sharing mm-hmm. this? Okay, so you guys unfortunately are leaving the area. Yes. So tell us about your next adventure. Yes. So it's very bittersweet, but we are moving um, to Honolulu, Hawaii. Yes. And so um, we're looking for some fun. We're looking for more adventure. Nick and I both love the beach and nature. And so Hawaii encompasses all of that times a thousand. And so we, Nick again, brought it up and was like, so like why don't we move to Hawaii and I was like I love that I love that it's like why you just probably just like I was like again my face is like wait what it's like huh like we've never visited he's always wanted to visit and he almost transferred to school in Hawaii in wow. undergrad so he's been trying to get there since forever yeah um and so we're originally I told you this already but originally we're gonna move back to California where my family's at um, but their licensing requirements are crazy. Mm. Trying to have us redo school, and I was like, I'm not doing school again. Heck no. <laughs> so, the next best place we could think of, was, or at least Nick thought of it first, was Hawaii. And that I was is... like, you know what? We don't have kids. We don't have pets. Don't have any huge major responsibilities. We can move our business, and why not? You only live once. So. No, hey, yellow, straight up. Shout out to Drake. Yo. Shout out to Drake. Yo, we're in that phase right now. I'm telling you, we're in that phase. You never know. It can, it can all end. Just go ahead and live your life. Right. I'm so excited. Yeah. That is going to be so dope. Yeah. yeah. So, so what do you look forward? I mean, you mentioned the beach and everything. And mm-hmm. you have to, you're able to keep your clients mm-hmm. virtually. So you're able to work and everything. So I'm sure you're looking toward a lot of adventures, hiking mm-hmm. and snorkeling. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's a new environment. Yeah. That alone yeah. is 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 great mm-hmm. you yeah. know so i'm i'm super hyped i'm just, it's, it is bittersweet it is it you is know? like greensboro has been so good to us like we talk about every day like how just blessed we are to just end up where we did um because both of us needed healing from just the stuff that we needed to go through or that we went through and so greensboro is just very quiet and calm and yes. just we're able to do a lot of our own personal healing work, being away from family and friends and things that were comfortable to us. And so for us to just be here and to work on ourselves and then now feel like we're in a better place to go out and explore and do some more adventuring. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nicole, it's so good to hear your story. <laughs> we're on next side too. Yes. But this is wonderful. This is so great. Thank and, you. Thank uh, you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. It. I'm glad you made the time because I know mornings, you know what I'm saying? I know. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to think. What time is it? By it's now, like, I'm a. I would be. I would be up for be about late. an hour. Yeah, yeah. Once you have your client coming in at twelve fifteen, <laughs> so you know you'd be up by now. <laughs> but you know, oh, one more question because I'm mm-hmm. curious. Do you think you would ever teach? Ooh. Later, late, later in life. So, uh, teaching in a classroom, no. I like doing workshops, so more so kind of like one-off things, and actually. I'm thinking about creating a course to go along with the cards. And so that's potentially in the works. Yeah. Hopefully by the end of this year, that's the goal. 
Um, but I like doing workshops. Um, I also want to be able to combine like movement and workshops as well. Ooh, um, so doing some kind of stretching or yoga and then doing some kind of journaling, self-reflection, workshop thing. I know when I worked at Lululemon, they did a lot of that. And so mm -hmm. I want to be able to kind of do the same thing. Um, but as a professor, I don't think so. Okay. My okay. family, <laughs> funny enough, right after I graduated, they're like, so when are you getting your PhD? And I was like, I'm not. No. <laughs> Just, that, I'm not. That two years? Uh-uh. I was like, y'all want me to go to school for another Again? three years? Like, I just finished. I don't need that. Doctorate, they can have it. <laughs> right. They can have it. Yeah. So, Yo, that I mean, is... again, things could change, but as of right now, I don't see myself getting a PhD at okay. the moment. We don't need one. You're good. You're yeah. living life. You're on your business, mm -hmm. and you built it up from the ground, and this is an amazing feat. Yeah. You have a great... Um, years ahead of you. Yeah. You have a great, bright, bright future. Thank you. Of course, thank of course. I received those kind words, so thank you. Yes, yes. Well, everyone, I can't ask Nicole everything in the world <laughs> in an hour and a half of, of a show. So if you have any questions, I'm sure Nicole is very open to hear mm -hmm. them. I'll put your Instagram and everything in the mm -hmm. bottom. Um, the card decks are for sale mm -hmm. on the website. You can ship them mm -hmm. anywhere yep. worldwide. Yep. Um, so definitely get those. They're wonderful decks. I have them myself. If you're around the Greensboro area, if you want to check mine out, I'm, I'm around. <laughs> um, but yes, please support these guys. Stickers are awesome. Also for sale and everything. Mm. So you'll hear Nick's story soon to so get the other <laughs> half of this. But thank you for listening. And Nicole, you are the best. And thank, thank you, you so much. I appreciate it. We'll catch everyone. Thanks for listening. Later. <laughs>